Hey, thanks, Amy. <clears throat> good morning, everybody. How's everyone today? Good. Somebody's good. I'm good. I think I'm doing good. We'll find out. Um, for those of you that uh, don't know me, um, I'm, I'm Brian. Uh, I am uh, oftentimes up here leading worship, but it was probably a nice break to have like a full band instead of just me standing here, right? Whoop, whoop for the full band. Tyler was playing bass. Oh, man. That was great. Um, if you're new here, welcome. Um, if you're here all the time or sometimes, it's great to see you. Um, I'm thankful that uh, as, as Tyler prepares to, to head out um, to do some, some schooling and some learning in Chicago this week that he asked me to, to preach this morning. Um, so we're going to, as we have with the beginning of each week of this series, we're going to start off reading through um, the Lord's Prayer in Luke, and then we will pray as well. So if you'll stand with me if you're able. And Luke 11:2 says, And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. God, thank you for this chance to once again be here to share in the hearing of your word with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and God, even, even as some of us might not say that, that we are part of that group, God, I'm so thankful that, that they are here with us to hear your word. We believe that your word is powerful, that it is good, and that it works. And so, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and that we would be prepared to hear what you have for us this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, I'm, I'm honored to be, to be wrapping up this series on prayer that we've been preaching through. Um, and, and, and as it's been mentioned a few times, the, the series has been um, kind of based a little bit loosely on uh, Pete, Pete and Greg's book, um, I think I'm saying his name correctly, um, How to Pray. And which, by the way, it's a great book. Um, if you haven't picked it up yet, I know some people are reading it. It's, it's an amazing book, worth going through. I would highly encourage you um, to go and, and grab that and read. Um, and as, as, as you probably noticed by now, um, the word pray is an acronym in the book that kind of sets the structure for how he's organized everything. And, and we've followed that structure as we've gone through this prayer series. And as if you don't remember, the, the P stands for pause. R stands for rejoice, A stands for ask, and now as we're here this week, the Y stands for yield. And, and, and as we'll handle it today, um, yielding means surrendering to God, surrendering to his will for your life. Yielding is, is what our response should be to his instruction, releasing, releasing our own way of doing things in order to follow God's. And this final letter in the acronym is, is kind of, um, as we'll look at it today, a response to the, the, the previous three, the, the pause, the rejoice, and the asking, and, and our response then is, is to yield. And it's important that you all know I, I was not asked to, to preach this weekend um, because of my expertise in surrendering and prayer. Um, if anything, I'm, I'm known as the, the control freak in my household. Um, and, and Jessie's with kids this morning, um, but when I told her I was saying that, she, she, just, she was so happy that I, I could admit that in front of you all. Um, but, but surrendering is, is not my strong suit. And I tell you this because, because much of what I'm going to be sharing this morning uh, is the very things that I've been learning over these last few weeks 
going through and, and preparing for this message, the, the areas that I need to apply surrender in my own prayer life. I need to learn to release the, the death grip that I have on, on my wants, on, on, on my things, on my, my loved ones, my expectations, my hopes, and my plans. I, I need to yield to God in prayer. Um, and, and part of how I know that is because it's still really hard for me. And the truth is, and I, part of that is because I'm, I'm scared of what God might tell me. Scared that he might tell me something I don't want to hear. He might send me somewhere I don't want to go or, or convict me of something I don't want to be convicted of. I'm also, to be honest, a little scared that he might just not say anything at all. That the other line on the phone might just be silent. But regardless of my fears, God has things he wants me to hear and know. And God speaks to us because we belong to him. And he calls us to live our lives like Jesus. To live a life that is holy, obedient, and glorifying to him. A life that is greater than anything the world can ever offer us. A life that, when surrendered, will bring us deeper and deeper into a relationship with God. So much more than our efforts could ever take us. And guys, I want to experience being someone that belongs to God. As a believer, I do, but I want, I want to experience that more. And it's time for you and me to stop worrying about the things that we hope God doesn't tell us. And start focusing on what he wants to reveal. Church, we need to surrender everything to God. And today, that starts with surrendering in prayer. So what does it look like to, to surrender to God and have him lead us through life in a relationship with him? David wrote in, in, in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd, I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. God wants you to hear him and surrender because he wants to bring you into a deeper experience of that kind of relationship with him. Surrender to his provision, surrender to his way, surrender to his protection. And surrendering to God, if we can define it this way, surrendering to God is the act of releasing our motives and opinions and yielding to God's will and truth. Okay, surrendering to God is the act of releasing our motives and opinions and yielding to God's will and truth. Jesus describes it just, just a few chapters earlier than where we read today in Luke. And in Luke 9, he says, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Paul takes this idea of, of surrender and giving ourselves up even further in Romans when he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. This act of surrender, of yielding to God, it involves every part of us. It plays a key role in our walk as Christians. And if we want to see surrender develop in our life, one of the best places to start is in prayer. 
You see, when Jesus says in Luke that, that those who want to follow him are to deny themselves and take up their crosses, he's revealing that in following Jesus, our life will be different than the ways of the world. Our experience will be different, and, and how we respond to everything that happens to us day to day will be different. As Grant Osborne puts it, he says, being a Jesus follower is not an individualistic walk with Christ in which we decide the path we wish to take and do whatever we like. It is following Christ's path and imitating him. As you see, when we surrender, we are saying, I want to do it Jesus' way. I want to be like him. And as we press into practicing the prayer um, 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 details of pausing and rejoicing and asking, it is crucial that we have our hands open, ready to receive Jesus' way in all these things. If, if I can continue in Grant Osborne's notes, he says, to save one's life, they must lose or surrender it. It means Jesus' followers refuse to allow the self to control their life. To confess Christ, we must deny self. And to take up our cross daily reveals the ongoing nature of this, that this happens every day for the rest of our lives. And there's no better place to start denying yourself and taking up your cross daily than to do it in prayer. What then do we gain from surrendering in prayer? What helps us through, through surrendering in prayer that, 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 that will help us to walk along the path that Christ has for us? How do we begin to better imitate him? What about surrender in prayer will cause Christ-likeness to spill over into other areas of our life? What will we hear from God? Now, I'm, I'm not today going to venture into the details of what you should expect to hear from God. Each of you has your own walk with God, your, your own relationship, and, and he has some unique things that he wants to reveal to you when you surrender to him. But what I do want to share today is something that God will reveal to all of us when we surrender to him in prayer. When we surrender to God in prayer, he reveals to us how we can live as one made alive in Christ. I will say that again. When we surrender to God in prayer, he reveals to us how we can be someone who is made alive in Christ. That's, that is something that, that all of us will hear and experience. Is God showing us what that looks like for us. And that means that those who believe in Jesus and accept him as their Lord and Savior have been given new life in him. Made newly alive, li living a life where they are in relationship with Jesus and will spend eternity with him. As we will see today in scripture, there are four things that will inevitably, inevitably change about every single one of us when we surrender to God and live as one made alive in Christ. Yes, there are specific ways that he will likely speak to us outside of this, as I mentioned before. But that, that isn't the direction that I'm heading in today's sermon. But I, I do want to encourage you, please press into those. I'm, I, I, I'm not not speaking on them because they're not important. I, that's, I, just, I, I, I don't think Tyler wants me to, to talk to you for 90 minutes, two hours, three hours. Um, but if you want to stay afterwards all day, we, we, can, we can dig in, right? No one wants to sign up for that. That's okay. Um, but, but I mean, yes, God, God might say to you tonight, hey, go to your neighbor's house and check and see if they're okay. That can happen. But that's not what we're going to dig into right now. What we'll see today is that Scripture indicates that God has something to reveal for each one of us when we surrender and live as one made alive in Christ. And there are four things that apply to anyone and everyone surrendering in their lives as such. So for those of you with your Bibles or your Bible app, 
or your Googles, um, I would encourage you to open your Bible or app or Google to um, Colossians 3, because we're going we're gonna to work through a lot of this today. And so the first thing that we see when we surrender in prayer, the first thing we see is that God reveals how he sees the world. When we surrender in prayer, God reveals how he sees the world. And if we, we look at our Bibles, we'll see in the first four verses, it says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. God is going to reveal to you how he sees the world. He is going to do that by setting your heart to things above. That means that when, when we live like Jesus, when we see the world as one looking to Christ in heaven, our mind seeking the things of our Father, not the things of the world, when we, when we set our eyes on that place, he's going to change us. In Philippians 3.20 it actually says, and, and I love that, 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 that the worship team sang um, who you say I am this morning because they had no idea I was going to read this verse. But I was so, my heart was so excited. But Philippians 3.20 says, 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven and we eager, eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. As believers, we are citizens of heaven today. As one of my, my favorite New Testament scholars, Doug Moo, says in relation to the citizenship in heaven, he says we are to make our heavenly status the guidepost for all our thinking and acting. We are to make our heavenly status the guidepost. God wants to reveal to you what that looks like. God wants it to, to, to see that, that when you surrender to his values— that when you make his priorities your own, you will see that he is the guidepost. And our citizenship is that guidepost. In January 2020, I was working as a, as a sales manager, a role I worked really hard to get promoted to a few years prior. I had the, a blossoming career at, a, at an awesome company, and I loved, I loved my job. I loved the company. Um, and my first day in the office that year... Uh, and I'm, this is not a COVID thing, so I know I said 2020, but just, this is just not, actually not COVID-related, and I'm, I'm sorry if you got excited. The first time we're going to talk 2020 and not COVID. But the, the first day that I was in the office, um, I printed out a picture of a honey badger eating a cobra, and I taped it to my desk right in the middle. For those of you that don't know, honey badgers are straight-up savage. And for those, for, for those of you with weak stomachs, like this picture is not a honey badger eating um, a cobra. I didn't put that one up. But, 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 uh, but these furry dudes are full-on crazy. They're ferocious. If you don't know, I, it's important to know they do what they want. Honey badger don't care. <laughs> and in 2020, I was, I was like, I'm going to work like a honey badger. I... I, I, I'm going to run all over the place. I was ready to be like the most fearless animal in all the animal kingdom. And I was. In 2020, I worked my butt off. I worked so hard. 
My sales team hit record sales numbers. I was promoted to oversee a, a second department as a director. Even outside of work, things were really good. Jesse and I bought a new house. Shortly after, we found out we were pregnant with Heath. COVID aside, 2020 was, was a really great year for me. My family grew closer in ways that I couldn't have expected. I read books that, that challenged and grew my understanding of God in ways that forever changed my life. I was playing in a sweet band with some guys I really loved. Jesse and I were growing every day in our second year of marriage. But in December of that year, almost a year later, after honey badgering for 11 months and just crushing it, eating cobras out of trees, <laughs> um, I, I found myself just, just uh, that, that, that there was something inside of me that was just pushing to burst out. For some reason, despite all that was happening in my life, I felt overwhelmed in a way that I had never felt before. It was like no matter how good things were, something was missing. And that something was beginning to take over. It was an evening not many days after Thanksgiving, the first time that I found myself lying on the floor in the middle of our living room. How I ended up lying on the floor, I, I don't remember. But it was like my entire life was pressing down on me and all I could do was just lie there. It was the least honey badgery thing I had done all year. But I couldn't help it. I, I, I was just there. I'd never felt so weak. And I didn't know why I was there. But I laid there and I wept and I just kept saying to Jesse and to God, I don't, I don't understand. Like, why, why do I feel this way? Why am I so exhausted? Why am I so defeated? Why do I feel despair? And a few weeks later, it happened again. And by the end of the third week of December, I had spent nearly every night of that week on the floor with this growing spiral of defeat and confusion, just laying there. That weekend, I, I called my boss. He was a great boss. And I said, hey, um, I, I need some time off work. <laughs> um, can I take two weeks off? And, 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 and he said, yes. He said, yeah, take the last two weeks of December off, of course. I didn't know what I needed to get better, but, but, but in asking for those two weeks, I, I knew, though, that I didn't just need rest or vacation. There was something in my life that needed to change. So upon the advice of my wife, Jessie, I decided that not only would I rest, but that I would journal twice a day, surrendering to God my thoughts and my heart. And not only would I do that, but that I would also surround those moments with time in the Bible. I was going to slow down and listen and surrender. And through those two weeks, I surrendered to God. And I searched for what he had for me. And it was only a couple days into my vacation, a handful of journal entries, a few chapters of the Bible later, that God spoke to me in a big way. Not, not all at once, but a little bit each hour that I surrendered to hearing him. See, what God had put, on, had put something on my heart years before all this. He put on my heart that he wanted to use me someday to share the gospel and serve the church through ministry. And that when I was married, he would reveal what the next step toward that would be. The problem was after I got married, I fell in love with the idea of being the ultimate provider, building the dream career, building an amazing family life and a home for my family. I was sold on just being a super duper honey badger in all the things of life. Man, don't get me wrong, those weren't bad aspirations. I, I worked for a Christian, I sold Bible software. Like, I worked for a great company. 
But those things became my greatest focus. And the things of God, the priorities of the gospel, they began to get put on the back burner. And as I got better at my job, I found more success. I thought, in those moments, and I thought less about what God wanted for my life because I had this sweet plan and it was working out, so that must be the only way to go. My eyes were no longer set on the things above. So during those two weeks in December 2020, through the hours of conversation with my wife and even more hours of journaling, praying, and pursuing God through the Bible, it became clear that the direction of my life needed to change. Within a few weeks, I was enrolled at Whatcom Community College, an online seminary, to begin a long road of education. Not long after starting school, God revealed that my career had become an idol and was getting in the way of his call for my life and that I needed to step down from my position as a director to become a sales rep in order to give more time and more energy towards ministry and school. And over the last nearly three years since that December, Jesse hasn't found me lying on the floor once in the living room, which is a really good thing. But that's not the only reason that this has happened. Because more importantly, I learned that what God provides is better than anything that I could attain through worldly pursuits. God still took care of my family. God still provided what I needed. But more importantly, God revealed to me that my relationship with him, my joy in him, and my joy in life is rooted in what he has for me. And yes, I, I found happiness in, in succeeding and working really hard. And then it went away, and then I had to succeed and work really hard again. But what I came to know is that God had something specific for my life, and that was greater and brought more joy than anything that I could have done. But without surrender, I, I would not have seen that his way was better. I would not have experienced the fullness of life that comes with trusting him. Friends, God has a higher calling for your life. He has something he wants to reveal to you. And maybe it's not a career change for you. I know you're sitting there like, whoa, Brian, we can't all change jobs. Um, you know, Brent's an electrician. Like, I like electricity in my house. Please don't let all the electricity. Lance as well. Electricians, please keep the power coming. But, but, but maybe, maybe it's something different. Maybe for you, God is saying, hey, there's ministry that I want you to serve in. That I, that I want to, to use you and fill you up through. Maybe it's a relationship that you're like, gosh, do I really need to be friends with them? Maybe it's, it's a different use of your money or your time or your skills. Or maybe it's just a different approach to the things you're already doing. Maybe God is saying, hey, I don't need you to change what you're doing, but I need you to change how you're doing it. Whatever it is, we've got to prayerfully seek God's way, not our own. So when we pray, when we surrender to God in prayer, he reveals to us his way that is higher. Number two. The second thing that we, we experience when, God, when we surrender to God in prayer is God reveals our sin. God reveals our sin. I know, this is the fun one, right? Get excited. <laughs> Colossians 3, 5 to 10 says, Therefore put to death what belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is adultery, idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Since you have put, the old, put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. 
you are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. When we surrender to God, he is going to reveal our sin. He doesn't do this to shame us. We have to remember when, 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 when God reveals our sin that Jesus already paid the penalty for all the sins that will be revealed. There's not some sin he's going to be revealed that's like, oh, shoot, I didn't die for that one. It's not going to happen. Thus, we, we need to remember that we are declared innocent of our sin by Christ's blood when he reveals it. Remember, we, we are already called citizens of heaven. There is no shame. And I tell you that because I want to encourage you before we go on in this one, as you're like, whoa, Brian, like I, that's gonna, I, I don't, I don't want to let that out. Guys, you are a citizen of heaven. You are already, as believers in Christ, declared innocent. So why reveal our sin then? I mean, God, if, if I'm innocent, like, let's not go through it again, right? <laughs> he reveals it because God wants us to be more like Jesus to be able to enjoy him more right now. With God, ignorance is not bliss. In the Bible, we see that, that, that the revealing of our sins by the law is actually considered a kindness. For we cannot live and follow the path of Christ if we're not daily turning away from our sins and towards God. It is a kindness that we know our sins so that we might know what to turn from so that we might know what is hurting us and pulling us away from God. As we, we read a moment ago, it says, you have put off the old self with its practice and have put on a new self. I've got to tell you something, friends. We're being ignorant if we think that we can put off our sins without actually knowing what our sins are. We need to know what the old self is in order to take it off. And I'm sure there's a lot of sins that you're like, man, they have hurt me, they have done me wrong, and I really want to put them off. Each of us has a unique old self that needs to be revealed so it can be removed. For example, in Romans, we read the instruction that if angered, we are told to be angry and do not sin. The Bible straight up says, yeah, be angry, but don't sin. Friends, if you're telling me that you can be angry and not sin, well, at the same time, not knowing the way you might sin when you're angry, nah, that ain't going to happen. I think if we want to be able to actually, at any moment, experience anger and not sin, we got to know. And I'll tell you, I know that there's a lot of simple things that I do when I'm angry. And I think we can all raise our hands and say that. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that avoiding sin isn't just like, oh, I tried really hard. And I didn't pay attention, but I tried hard. No, because you see, guys, the devil is a liar. His greatest strategy is to deceive. So to think that he isn't going to try and deceive us from recognizing our sins is not something that we should be doing. You've got to know what aims to hurt you if you want to recognize where to look for safety. So if sin is deceitful, when we are surrendering in prayer, it's important to recognize that sin can't only come up when we bring it up. You see, I, I, I'm, I'm not just talking about the sin that we're already like, yeah, I know I do this. I know I do it. Jesus does confess, tell us to confess those sins. Yes. And, and some of those are pretty obvious, for sure. But, but there's something else here that I'm trying to get at. We're not aware of all the ways that we are sinning. We are not aware of all the ways Take gossip, for example. You probably recognize when, when you gossip, and you're probably like, man, that, that was a sin. I should not have gossiped about that person. 
But what you might be unaware of is the jealousy or the pride that you're struggling with that has led you to gossiping about other people. And if we aren't listening and surrender, we can easily miss the fact that our gossip is absolutely the result of a deeper, more hidden sin than just that little piece of gossip that we shared. Or perhaps we've pursued lustful or, or, or evil desires and let those come to fruition. Not realizing that there is a deeper reality to our sin. A deeper sin that when revealed shows that, that, that not only did, did we do this thing wrong, but, but maybe more importantly, what God wants us to know is that when things are tough and when we're struggling, we're actually turning to those vices rather than turning to him. The lies that are hiding your deepest and most secret sins, God wants to reveal those. I mean, take, take lying as well. We, we all know that lying is a sin, but what about the reason you lied? What about the lies you've been telling yourself? This is why we've got to surrender to God. Because the Holy Spirit wants to reveal those lies that we might be able to look more like Jesus and that we might be freed more from that sin. We've got to listen and surrender. And I know it is safe to do this because the one who wants to help you address your sins and turn from them is Jesus, the same one who died for your sins. If Jesus died for your sins, I'm pretty sure that he can handle you saying them. Jesus has already conquered them and declared you innocent. Thus, we can more confidently face and confess our sins as we put our old selves off and put on our new selves. A new self that is born again in Christ and being made in his likeness and experience you know, a more amazing and full life with Christ than we could ever experience in our old selves. That leads us in, into number three. When we surrender to God in prayer, God reveals his heart for his people. God reveals his heart for his people. <laughs> Colossians, as we continue in, in, in verse 12 now, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. God reveals his heart for his people. Meaning that when we surrender in prayer, he's going to reveal how he sees other people and how he wants you to see them. And this passage right here shows us what that looks like. Therefore, when we pray for other people, whether, whether it is a loved one or whether it's someone that's hurt us, someone who's living recklessly, or someone whom we're just upset with or maybe we're scared for them and concerned, whoever it is, Wherever they're at, we must surrender to God's heart, heart for them, not ours. And seeing people through the lens of love and compassion is something I am sure you've experienced many times in your life. I'm not saying that this one's necessarily new to you. Maybe it's been with your kids. Maybe it's, it's been with a, a friend or family member. Maybe it's been with your favorite sports star or, or celebrity or, or fictional character in a movie. You're just like, I want them to, to have compassion and love for them. But what about that person at your work who just is just a pain, who is like, they're out to get you. What about your neighbor who just is the worst? 
Like, he just sucks. Not only does he mow his lawn at 6 in the morning, he's mean. What about those people in that parents group who are just ignorant and don't care about our kids? What about that person that you are hoping with all your heart does not get elected to the school board or the county executive seat? What about homeless people? What about criminals and addicts? Or maybe it is a family member. Maybe it is a close friend or, or maybe it's your spouse or your kids. I don't know about you, but, but when I said there's stuff that's hard for me to surrender, this might be the toughest one. Because truth is, I oftentimes don't want to look at certain people in a loving way like Jesus does. There are some people that I don't like, and I would like to continue not liking them. But Jesus says no. 1 Peter 2.24, we read that, that Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. When I think about how I don't like someone, and then I read this verse, it's as if Jesus is like, Brian, I died for that person. I forgave them of all their sins. I love them. What did they do to you that is so horrible that you can't? He himself bore our sins, and, and maybe let's change it. He himself bore their sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, they might live for righteousness. How dare I judge someone with whom Jesus died for? As if what they did to hurt or anger me is so much worse than what they've done against God. When I withhold a Christ-like attitude and care towards someone else, I withhold what Christ himself died for. Forgiveness of their sins. And praise God that not a single soul needs my forgiveness in order for salvation. And praise God that, that I am still forgiven even when I refuse to give what Christ freely gave. None of us deserve the good things that Christ has for us. So who are we to hold back what Christ wants to give to others through us? Friends, surrender to God. Yes. You got to do it. It's going to be tough. He is going to humble you. And, 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 and if I can say this, not just in private. He's going to humble you in front of other people. He's going to ask you to be humble in front of them. Not just humble as you pray for them, but then he's going to say, okay, now next time you see them, be humble. But I promise you that you cannot experience the joy of Christ's love and forgiveness fully if you withhold this. That's why when, when Jesus instructs us to pray, if you remember the, the passage we, we, we read at the beginning that we've been reading each week, it says, and forgive us our debts, for we also have forgiven our debtors. When Jesus says it in Matthew on the Sermon on the Mount, it actually says, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. When we pray to be forgiven, it is evident that we must come to that prayer as a forgiver. That is why we must be ready to surrender. For God is going to reveal to us how we must look at others. Surrender in prayer means letting the Holy Spirit dictate how we look at people. Revealing that we must look with eyes that are clothed with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. 
a heart that does not hold grudges ever. There is no grudge. There's nowhere in the Bible where it's like, but if it's this grudge, you're good. No. Never. We have to have a heart that forgives as the Lord forgave. More specifically, you have to have a heart that forgives the way the Lord forgives you. A forgiveness that we didn't deserve. So why should we say, but they don't deserve it? The fourth point of what God reveals to us when we surrender him in prayer, to him in prayer, is that God reveals his truth. Colossians 3, 15, 17. Actually, hold on, before I go on, I, I want to say one more thing that I didn't have in my notes, but I don't want to just end that one like that. Um, who would like for people to see them with compassion and kindness and love? Just Can I get a raise of hands? Guys, I know that you might be like feeling heavy there, but I also want to encourage you that that God is calling other people to look at you that way. And that doesn't mean that you're always going to experience that, but know that as well. Remember that next time you're being hard on yourself, that you're feeling crappy about yourself, that God is calling people to look at you that way as well. Okay? All right. Now we'll actually move out. Sorry, Evan. I know I'm mixing up the slides, but he was ready. Okay, point four. God reveals his truth. When we surrender to him in prayer, he reveals his truth. The last couple of verses we're going to look at in, in this third chapter of Colossians saying, Let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. That one is tough to not, to not do the, the princess bride thing. Oh, gathered here together, let the word of Christ dwell which way among you. Oh. So I'm going to read it again because... My brain was not there. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. Whew, praise God I didn't say that in, in Greek. Um, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God reveals his truth and our call to let it dwell among us. There's, there's, there's a, a fun thing in, in Scripture if you, if you go and, and, and read the beginning of, of all of Paul's letters. Um, uh, not all of them, but the, a good portion of them within the first few verses as he's addressing who is receiving the letter, he actually says to them some version of, I am praying that you will grow in the knowledge of God. In one of them, he doesn't say, I'm praying. He gives praise that you've grown in the knowledge of God. And to read one of them specifically in Ephesians, he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. God reveals his truth. Paul prayed for churches that they would experience God's truth, that they would grow in wisdom and knowledge. Not that, I'll tell you, he didn't write to any universities, okay? He wrote to just everyday people, a lot of whom probably couldn't even read. Yet he still was saying, I pray that you would grow in knowledge. God reveals his truth. Maybe, maybe a better starting place for this point one is though is this, okay? Sometimes in prayer, we ask for something, right? God, help me in this time of trouble. Lord, heal them of this sickness. Lord, please help my friend see that you are God and you love them. But sometimes in prayer... Yes, we ask for something, but sometimes in prayer we ask questions. Okay, sometimes we ask for something, but sometimes we ask questions. 
God, why do you allow suffering in the world? How can something so many people think is good be a sin? Father, why am I still in a season of hardship? God, why is my marriage falling apart? God, why didn't you save my baby girl? God, why did Jesus have to die? Why would he die for me? How do I know if I'm saved? What should I do? What do you want from me, God? God, are you even there? I can't count how many times in my life I've asked questions like that. And still today, I, I don't know the answer to all those questions I've asked. But honestly, it's unlikely that a lot of them will ever even be answered. But I will tell you this, God has answered more questions that I need to know in order to know and experience that his truth is good, that he is good, and that I can trust him. And not just answered questions that I asked, but revealed that there are so many questions that I didn't ask, but there are things that I needed to know. He has proven he is good and worthy of all trust and praise because of the things he has taught me. Through growing in knowledge and understanding God, he has shown me that I can trust him and that he is worthy of praise. There is an abundance of riches and joy that will be found in learning the word of God and learning his truth. Church, when we surrender to God in prayer, God will begin to reveal his truth. And you and I both know we need his truth. No one here doesn't have a question. So I will end with this today. As revealed in, in that last section in Colossians, the path of Christ comes with community. When we grow and have truth revealed to us, it talks about that truth being in community. And when we surrender in prayer, we begin to see the truth that God has for us in reading the Bible, but also that he has truth and an experience of him in going to church regularly, in being in community consistently, having close, close relationships where you're actually humble and real. We will see the path of Christ calls us not only into relationship with him, but relationship with others. And he wants to reveal his truth through that. And maybe you're like, Brian, I have experienced the truth of sin in that. I know. I'm, I, that doesn't surprise me. And, and it is crazy that God is calling us into community with other sinners. But he loves us, and he says, I want to love you through others as well. I want to reveal my truth through that. And I think not only can we see how messed up the world is by getting close to other people, we can also see that, oh my gosh, how can God use someone that is so messed up, so messed up, maybe even as messed up as me, to love other people? But if we don't show up in community, we won't give him that chance for us to be loved by people who are sinners just like us. The last verse in the passage reveals when we yield to God in prayer and in life, it is only a matter of time before we find ourselves living completely for the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that, that we can trust you when you reveal things, God.
Lord, that you have shown and, and, and proven time and time again that you will help us to see the things that are higher. That, God, that when you reveal our sin, that you are doing it for our good and that you will take care of us. God, that when you reveal the ways that we are to see and love others, God, that you can give us the strength to actually do that. And, Lord, that you will reveal your truth. And, yes, maybe not all at once, but, God, that in community, in your word, in pursuing you, God, that we can surrender and grow and learn. And so I pray, God, that, that more than anything, God, that those of us in this room today would trust you so that we can surrender. Help us to surrender in prayer this week. We praise you, Lord. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.